Okay, it's uh, Saturday, September 13th, 2014, and Pete tells me this is Solder Smoke 165. I forgot the number. <laughs> Good thing we got you here, Pete. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing great. So it's oh dark thirty here on the west coast, but I'm having a cup of coffee, so I'm I'm doing good. All right, well, I'm fully caffeinated here on the east coast, and uh, very happy to talk to you again. You know, it's, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Arduinos. We're gonna move into the exciting world of of microcontrollers in the twenty first century, but but first, I think we have to start with our segment of what's on the bench, and I suspect what you have on the bench might be from this century, but mine is from the previous century, from early in the previous century. So maybe I should go first. What do you think? Uh, go ahead. All right. I'm working on the regens, guys. I've, uh, I've succumbed to regen madness. And after years and years of talking bad about them, I, uh, I went back. And now I have built my second regen. I think this will be it for a while. The first one was the, uh, what I call the King's Speech regen, the, the old regen that I picked up in London. I talked about that a while back. But I had so much fun with it, I got the urge to build another one, and, and the parts seemed to almost assemble themselves on the workbench. I used basically the same circuit. I used an Armstrong Tickler circuit, but in this one, I wanted to be uh, kind of more true to my homebrewing principles. So instead of the LM386 audio amp, I built uh, a little discrete component, two-transistor AF amp, and it is... It's a fantastic little receiver. It's got it's it includes in it a national velvet veneer uh, reduction drive, which is an important component. I built it on um, pine pieces of pine that were left over from a, a shelf building construction project that my wife uh, asked me to do for her. So I call it the off the shelf regen. Off the shelf in the sense that it's built from parts from the shelf and also from parts that I had laying around here. And I can't resist. I'm going to play it a little bit. Hold on. That's 40 meter CW, my friends. Not bad for four transistors, huh? Amazing. All right, enough of that. Okay, I, I'm really surprised by this uh, by this rig, uh, uh, Pete. I'm really surprised by what you can do with a regen if you build it solidly. A couple couple things I find really surprising. The stability of this thing, the, the detector is essentially uh, an oscillator, a VFO, using a tickler coil. But I must say, I've had fewer instability problems with this thing than I've had with any other VFO that I've built. And it's all just on a piece of pine exposed. There wasn't, I didn't go to any special trouble to make it stable. And so that's been, been a real surprise to me. And then I have it set up now so it goes from about 6 megahertz to about 10.5. So I can do shortwave listening. I can listen to the 40 and 30 meter ham bands. And it's been, been just, just great fun. So uh, people who are interested in doing regens, I, I would encourage them. Yeah, that, that struck me, Bill, that uh, it was so stable when I first listened to it. And uh, I, I was kind of amazed. You were moving your hand about the circuit. And usually you you can hand tune it by by not tune you know actually touching the tuning knob. I I didn't see that in your case. It, it you you're you're all around it and it wasn't uh, wasn't a problem. Yeah, it's even better now. Yeah, you know, I've got the main <clears throat> tuning cap about you know four or five inches back from the front panel, 
and I've got a an insulator, a ceramic insulator between the reduction drive and the main tuning cap. So, and I've also put a, an aluminum front panel on it that I pulled out of the junk box. So, all this, you're right. There's absolutely no hand capacitance. There is some um, tuning interaction between the throttle, the regeneration control, and main tuning, but that just goes with the territory with the regen, and you have to kind of you have to kind of be prepared to to fiddle with it a little bit when you're tuning in a station. But it's just just fantastic, and uh, and and just a, just a, a lot of fun for for a very simple circuit for transistors. And actually, you probably could have gotten away with you could have eliminated some of the transistors. I mean. Some of these guys run the regen just head going from the detector into headphones without any AF amp. And, and some guys also get rid of that, that first RF stage. Now, the first RF stage has got some advantages. It prevents your, your little receiver from becoming an inadvertent transmitter. And it also isolates the, the antenna from the detector, which is a problem because uh, sometimes the detector will be so sensitive that if the antenna is out there blowing in the wind, the, vari- the variation in inductance and capacitance resulting from the movement will cause your, your detector to kind of move back and forth. But when you have that little, that, that bit of isolation provided by the RF amp, you don't get any of that. You know, that's the same problem with the uh, self-excited Hartley uh, oscillator transmitters. You know, they're built on the breadboard. Uh, same problem. Uh, the antenna blowing in the breeze, the uh, the note would vary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, this thing, um, I mean, uh, Charles Kitchen. This is his his circuit there in the beginning, um, and then the the detector, of course, is uh, Howard Armstrong's. But uh, you know, um, <clears throat> with that transistor in there, I don't get any of that. Also, sometimes if you if you don't have that little RF amp there, you find what this what they call dead spots, or what they would refer to as suck out. When you were tuning across, if the, if you got to a point where the antenna was was resonant at the frequency that you were tuning, suddenly the the detector would behave in a very very different manner. So uh, I don't have that now because I'm using it with a 40 meter dipole, and with this little isolation uh, um, stage in there, it doesn't get any of that kind of problem. But hey, I want to mes- mention a mystery that I've discovered. I don't know if you've seen what I put up on the uh, on the on the blog. Um, I, I, there's something that I find really puzzling here, and I, I really want to throw this out to the um, to the wizards and the gurus who've been in this game longer than I have. Um, it's it's a strange thing. I'm I'm listening, and there's a, there's a few very powerful shortwave stations out there. And a few weeks ago, I was listening to one of the most powerful and kind of ubiquitous on the uh, on the on the shortwave dial, and that's Radio China International. They've got a lot of real high quality programming, very powerful transmitters. And, uh, and interesting stuff, frankly. And, and I'm listening to them, and I notice that if I tune, just tune off a little bit, because when you're tuning with the regen, you have to tune off a little bit sometimes, I notice that there's a strange echo effect. And it comes in, and I, I put a recording of it up on the blog. Now, I, you know, a lot of guys have suggested that it might be some sort of multipath, but it, I, I've never heard anything like that before. I've heard multipath before. I've heard about, you know, kind of selective fading and things like that. But but this is the delay. I think is is much longer than you'd expect with multipath. It sounds like there's almost like almost like a one second gap there sometimes between what the, what the announcer is saying and then when you hear it again and then you hear it again. It's almost a, it's a significant fraction of a second, which means it would be a significant fraction of 186,000 miles, <laughs> which is you know what you know, 10 trips around the earth or something like right, that. Yeah. So I, I don't know about multipath. Now here's the weird thing. First I thought, well, 
you know, you know, my 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 suspicion of regens. I thought this might be some weird regen effect that I've never heard about, but it, I doubt I doubted it, and I confirmed it because I went over to a superhead receiver, heard the same thing over there. So it wasn't the receiver. Now here's the really weird thing. Then then people suggested that it was some sort of technical defect in the in the digital studio equipment at Radio China International. Well, okay, I bought that for a while, but then. I went and I listened like three weeks later. Last night I was listening to it or the night before. I heard it again. And you got to think, I mean, come on, Radio China International, they're not going to allow some sort of technical defect in their international broadcasting station. I think they've, they've got the electronics over there. They could fix this. And they certainly would. They wouldn't allow this. It's kind of embarrassing, you know, if it's a technical defect. Um, but it's still there. Then... I'm tuning around and I come across one of the real fire and brimstones. I think it's called the Overcomer. Man, this guy is on, I mean, he is on 24-7 putting out the fire and brimstone. And here's the weird thing. I noticed the same effect on his signal. And I mean, he's transmitting from some commercial uh, broadcaster, I think in South Carolina or someplace in the American South. But the same effect. It's very weird. One of the odd things is, though, that if you go on the Internet and you, and you Google and search for this stuff, almost nothing. It's like I'm the only one hearing it. And that is really strange, too, because people who are into shortwave listening, there's still quite a few of them around, are usually also you know, very active on the Internet. But I don't hear anything or see anything about this. So what do you think, Dr. Giuliano? <laughs> well, I, I guess when you first brought it up, I thought about the... Uh a long delayed echo and, and you see that over over the pole uh, at least i've heard that over the pole if if you have a directional antenna uh but i i don't have a good explanation for that bill and and one of the things i was going to suggest is the next time uh, you hear it uh if you could record it and then then put it up in your blog no no i've so, done it i've got it it's, oh okay it's there. okay yeah okay I, i've done it with um with radio china international it's on there so I'll, I'll, oh okay okay i, I must have missed that so anyway that that would be useful to you know kind of hear it and listen to it and listen to it over and over again and then this way uh you get a better feel as to what it is yeah, but uh you, you've thrown it out there and so i'm sure you'll hear I'm, I'm 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 turning to the experts pete we need to we need we need a ruling on this from the uh, from the shortwave gurus we may be onto something really big you know it's a, yeah it be something really strange out there discovered right here on the <clears throat> on solder smoke um yeah i did a recording of the rci uh, original broadcast that i heard that caused the questions and then i did I did one like the night before last with the uh, the fire and brimstone guy, so uh, I encourage listeners to take a listen to those uh, videos. Just the, the two little videos, you click on them and you'll you'll hear exactly what I'm talking about. And I've never heard anything like this, and I've been you know been listening to shortwave for a long time. This is this is a new one on me. So anyway, those are the uh, that's uh, what what is on your bench, Pete? What's what are you working on? Well, it was kind of interesting. You were saying something from the the last century. Actually, I have been uh, working something from the last century and something from this century. Uh, I've gotten taken with uh, picking up some of these old boat anchors and uh, trying to get them to work again. It's it's kind of amazing. You can uh, find some some very good bargains in in these older transceivers, and it's kind of fun not to spend too much money on them and. Uh, uh, bring them into the shack here and getting them working. And uh, one one I've just been successful with is a Drake TR4. And uh, this this particular unit is about mid-production. 
And the uh, thing that caught my eye was it has the noise blinker in it, which uh, makes them a little more valuable. And there were some problems with it, like someone <laughs> someone dropped it on the uh, the front panel on the PTO, and they smashed the PTO, and all Ooh. the ball bearings came out. Oh. So I had to replace that. There, there was uh, some bad filters in there, and it, it's kind of like a um, uh, kind of like a parlor mystery game. You know, okay, this is the problem. What could it be? And so it's uh, it's kind of a lot of fun to just to troubleshoot it. But, but Bill, and all, I I have been really impressed with the engineering that has gone into these old boat anchors. There is some really excellent, solid engineering that's gone in there, producing some products that. Uh, Today, uh, or, you know, aside from maybe some of the older boat anchors drifting a bit, uh, you, s- you resolve that problem, and you can do that with some of the modern technology. Y- you have a really outstanding radio, and and you can acquire one of these things. Uh, a couple of them I-, I spent no more than $50 for. And so I think, you know, some people are missing an opportunity to uh, to do some experimentation, learn more about the hobby, and, and have a really nice... <laughs> Nice radio. Winter's coming, so it's a it's a real shack warmer. And uh, you know, there's there's just something about the glow of the tubes uh, that make it uh, make it kind of amazing. And uh, there's also a certain smell to it when you <laughs> we talked about that before yeah. when you turn on the on the tube gear. <laughs> so I've been working on a few of those things, and I've been working on some Arduino projects as well. Um, All right. Uh, the other uh, the other thing I found is uh, uh, with some of the modern technology, it's possible possible to repurpose some of the solar equipment and uh, add some add some gizmos and gadgets to it and uh, bring it up to the modern world so that's what's on the bench all right well i mean I'm, i've been sort of you, you you're responsible for, for putting me in a boat anchor frame of mind here recently and i i i fired up the um my uh, uh drake 2b and the Halicrafters hc37 actually made a few contacts with it i knew that i the drake 2b I, I mentioned last time i thought that i was having kind of filter cap problems, and I briefly thought that it had corrected itself. Sometimes electrolytics will do that. You know, they kind of reform. But no, I can I can hear the AC hum in there. So I'm going to be going to that website that you mentioned uh, to get the uh, the kind of the facsimile uh, the filter cap replacement. Um, s- some friends wrote in asking, I think Tony Fishpool, yeah, I was Tony Fishpool from the UK, asked if I had an, an ESR equivalent series resistance meter to to check out the caps and i i told them i don't but in my experience i don't really need one because what you do in this situation is you just replace the caps i mean it's just there's only a few of them in there and if you replace those ac the, the the filter caps on the power supply you're almost almost certain to get rid of the ac hum so that's one of my come early winter projects coming up here but uh, yeah the boat anchors definitely uh, there's some they're fun they're all discrete component. You can get in there. You can understand how it works. Got to watch out for the high voltage, but uh, uh, they are shack warmers, so uh, great. But but Pete, it's now time for us to jump into the 21st century, and the topic of today <laughs> is the beloved Arduino. So why don't you kick us kick us off here and tell you know I think we have we have an audience that 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 might not really understand what what's going on with the Arduino. So maybe you could just let us know and kind of start by, by explaining what what it is and what we can do with it. Uh, okay. Um, I, I wanted to just inter- interject uh, w- one thing here uh, along the path, and that is, uh, uh, and, well, let me, let me bring that up a little bit later. Let, let me answer your question first because it may, may, makes more sense. First of all, uh, 
you know, people ask, what is a microcontroller? What, what does it do? And um, what's it all about? And, and the easiest way to think about a microcontroller, it, it's, it's an entire computer on a single IC. Uh, it, it has some limited capabilities. Uh, <clears throat> you, you might have a little problem doing third order linear regression, but it, it can do a lot of things. And uh, actually, the roots of the uh, microcontroller uh, go back to the 70s um, when they were initially developing a lot of uh, uh, microprocessors. They found that the microprocessor uh, by itself needed some peripheral devices to, to really make it work. So if you homebrewed a computer in, in the 1970s, you may have like a, an 8088 or an 8080 in there or a 6809 from Motorola, but you had a whole bunch of other chips uh, around it uh, to, to make it work. And uh, one of those chips, uh, they discovered, uh, uh, w did some control functions, and it's uh, one of those, one of the terminologies used was a programmed interrupt controller. And if you look at microchip, you wonder why they call all their chips PICs. And they like a PIC, you know, 1684. Well, that's because it's a programmed interrupt controller. I guess someone figured out that, Hey, you know, uh, you know, for a limited application, we can um, we can take this device and can be a standalone. And and typically, the microcontrollers are are not like a general purpose computer, but but are really designed for embedding. In other words, maybe a specific application that you you want to do this uh, specific thing over and over again, and you have a little uh, uh, microcontroller in there does it like. The Coke machine, for instance, you put the the buck fifty in there, and you you hit the panel switch, and it picks the right Coke bottle uh, or right soft drink. So there, there's a good application for it. But think of it as a a, a computer on on a sing, on a single IC, and they they have all various internal functions. There there is a processing unit. Uh, there is both, um, and the current ones now have uh, flash memory, <clears throat> which means you can uh, change uh, the program at will. Initially, the uh, uh, a lot of the devices that were first came out were, were used an erasable EEPROM. They had a little uh, uh, quartz window on it. You can bring an ultraviolet light, change the program, and then reprogram. And then others were what was called a one-time program, uh, OTP. So you you put it in there one time, and that was it. And you, know, you couldn't change it. Now, with the flash memory. Uh, you can change it at will, and there's there's many ways to, to program it. Uh, you can do it from a computer via via serial link, or you can have a, a standalone programmer do it. So think of it as just a single IC. And I guess the um, the real uh, thrust of this is low cost. Uh, the the Arduino uses the uh, at mega chip, and you can. Uh, Buy the 328 in the, um, I think it's a 28-pin dip, uh, and just add a few peripheral components, and you have a, a complete uh, uh, microcontroller unit. And you know they're they're in the three to four dollar range, so it's 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 a cost issue that lets you do so many amazing things, and uh, it's <clears throat> it's found its applications in in many things. Uh, the one that caught my eye, and I'm I'm fortunately lost the reference, was the uh, was the beer dispensing machine, uh, and this thing, this guy has a controller on it that that first of 
you have to prove you're 21 before the machine will work. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, I thought no, there, there's a guy, there's somebody who's got really came down to the practical application of this. Hey, but uh, go ahead, go, go ahead, go ahead, Bill. No, I, I was just going to going to throw in that I had, you know, for me in the microcontrollers, you know, let's face it, I, I've resisted this kind of thing for a long time, and I'm still, I'm still kind of resisting it. Let's face it. I remember I, I saw recently a T-shirt that really kind of. I really kind of sympathize with it because the T-shirt said, I program in solder. And, you know, I've, I've, I've talked about, you know, hardware-defined radio and discrete components and everything else. But I must say that I had kind of a, kind of a, a moment of kind of when suddenly it was revealed to me the benefits of this technology. You know, I have a, I have a frequency counter here from the U.K. that I picked up at the Kempton Park Rally where I picked up a lot of my stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not a microcontroller device. There's a lot of digital logic chips in there. And the, the frequency counter went bad, so I went in there to fix it. And it's a long, sad story. This was when I soldered in the chip upside down and had to unsolder it and re-solder it. Everybody got a lot, of, a lot of laughs out of that, me included. It was funny. But the thing is, I, later on, just shortly thereafter, I got a, a digital dial a frequency counter from N3ZI. He sells these little little kind of miniature frequency counters that you could put in in, in your rigs. And in, when, when I opened that up and I looked at it, there's just one chip in there. So the other one had, you know, maybe 20 chips and all kinds of lines running between the chips and everything else. Yet N3ZI was able to reproduce exactly the same function in one chip. And then I started looking at the chip, and I think it was an AT Tiny. And it's just, what it is, it is a microcontroller. So instead of building that frequency counter in hardware, as the old Kempton Park counter was, um, N3ZI had taken the entire counting process and put it in software and put the software and all the hardware into this one little chip the size of your pinky fingernail. And that's where I kind of sat back and said, oh, I, I get it. You could do you could do a lot of things with these little chips. Oh yeah, uh, totally amazing. And uh, I'm going to share with you uh, uh, about a, a little later about a project uh, that that's exactly uh, taking multiple chips. Uh, something that was built in 1974, and something that uh, a local ham here, Ben KK6FUT, and myself worked on. That uh, we took what was you know, literally 40, 50 chips, and we did it all with an Arduino. By, by the way, I want to make a, I want to make a comment about uh, Doug N3ZI and about how really a small world this is. Uh, I had some emails with Doug, and I, and I discovered something kind of interesting. Uh, Doug and I come from the same town in western Pennsylvania. Wow. And Doug actually lived... Uh, a couple of blocks from where I live. <laughs> and and here's the real interesting connection. Uh, I lived across the street from the, uh, it was like a, it didn't have a high school. It had a primary school and a middle school all in one. And uh, I'm, I'm older than Doug, but he t shared with me that when he was in primary school, he had an interest in ham radio, and he would look out the window of his classroom and across the street, he saw this house with an antenna. Oh man! And he said, "He said, <clears throat> man, I, I want to be a ham, and I want to get on the air and have an antenna like that." And that was my house. Well, he so, should—he should have knocked on the door. <laughs> it would have been a big—it would have been a big help well, for him. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, just just it is a small world. That is amazing. A really, a really small world. That is really how cool. these connections. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, that that that's a good segue into something. I know you you've got things to say about this, and I I want to just to start off because I want to give the viewers the listeners um, a little sense of the history of Arduino, its connections to Italy, where the name comes from, who did this, because. I think it's a really nice story, and I know you've you've got some real personal input on this. But I, I just thought I'd point out that Arduino comes from Italy, and it was it's really the the work of of a real genius, a guy who is in many ways one of us. Certainly, someone with a, a deep, deep kind of knack ability. His name is Massimo Banzi, and he is the co-founder of, of Arduino. Arduino sprung up in a town in northern Italy called Ivrea. And Ivrea is the, is the hometown of the Olivetti company, the electronic business machines typewriter company. So one of the important things about that is Ivrea has always been surrounded by large piles of electronic junk. There are junkyards there. Olivetti was always getting rid of excess electronics or obsolete electronics. So this made Ivrea a great place to be an electronic experimenter. Uh, Bonzi, I have his book in my hand. It's really a nice book. It's from uh, from Make, from a maker from the Tim O'Reilly folks, um, getting started with Arduino. And in the book, Massimo uh, describes his his childhood, and he is very clearly one of us. See, the story is really almost like kind of spooky, similar to to what many of us. Uh, remember from our childhoods, he had this urge to take things apart. He had a real deep interest in electronic components and radios. His father had a large stockpile of electronic magazines in the house. And so, you know, as a, as a young kid, Maximo was going through these electronic, you know, kind of uh, popular electronics kinds of magazines. His father got him for Christmas for, for a birthday, one of these little German kind of electronic kits where they had like modular components and you could you could put it together so and he, he started getting into um, you know later on into microcontrollers and he wanted to come up with a, a platform a device that would allow ordinary experimenters to do great things with these little miniature computers now the where the word Arduino comes from and this is I think another thing that that will really resonate with many of our readers um, there's a bar in, in Ivrea that Massimo and his friends used to hang out in. It's called uh, the Bar di Re Arduino. And that's the, the bar of King Arduino. Ar- King Arduino was the guy who ruled this region of what is now Italy. And he took power in the year 1002. I think he was only in charge for two years, but uh, it was apparently a memorable period. Uh, I'm not sure how much he had to do with microcontrollers, but... The bar that was named after him is the place where this project really was launched. So lots of great technical advances take place in bars. I was in the bar in Cambridge, UK, where uh, the uh, Watson and Crick came up with double helix. So uh, Arduino has its roots. The name comes from a bar in Ivrea, Italy. And I think you, you've been in contact with Maximo, haven't you, Pete? Yeah, I, I have. As a matter of fact, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, I sent him an email uh, because of something he mentioned on page 66 of his book. And uh, he said something to the effect that, uh, you know, we could read uh, certain values and uh, we could uh, output them in Morse code. Well, <laughs> the antenna went up. I said, geez, 
that and that actually what started us on the CW Sender projects. I said, yeah, we could we could do that. So I sent him an email and told him, I said, you know, you started this all with uh, your comment on page 66. And I just wanted to share with you one of the articles that uh, Ben, KK6FUT, and myself wrote that appears in uh, QRP Quarterly. And I said, you're the guy behind this. And uh, I said, so, yeah, you can generate Morse code and uh, output values. So uh, he wrote me back and uh, said that, uh, you know, uh, Thank, thank me for sending it. He was uh, he was kind of uh, excited to see that uh, the use of the Arduino for this application, and then he drops a bombshell by saying that when he was a kid he was a ham. So I said, "Aha! I got it! Well, I got it!" He is one of us. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he. When he said when he was a kid he was a ham, and what really convinced me that he knew what he was talking about, he ended the email by signing seventy threes. Well, this is a this is a this is a bit of news for the world here, Pete. <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah. Perhaps with good reason. Um, o. M. Massimo has been keeping this quiet. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all yeah. we all understand why. I mean, I don't I don't mention it at work very often, but uh, so maybe Massimo thought that this was something would be better left kind of uh, in, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, in yeah. the background. But we got you, Massimo. Okay, seven three, old man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah great. What what a what a bombshell, you know. But uh, it was kind of nice. It was nice that he he took the time to say, you know, I I saw your project. And uh, matter of fact, I'll send you the email, Bill, okay. so you can you can you can enjoy it. Oh, well, listen, and this is a you know this is a news a, a scoop for Cyberscoop <laughs> here. Remember, <laughs> listeners, you heard it here first. CNN didn't have this one, you know. Cyberscoop right, did. Right. <laughs> From our correspondent out, out there in L.A. Um, well, you know, you talk about CW, and I guess this is a time to talk about the CW sender. But I have in my hand, Pete, the uh, one of the projects that I've done with an Arduino, and it is uh, not really a CW sender, but it is a, a keyer for uh, a little 10-meter beacon transmitter that I put together a long, long time ago. The transmitter is called a Little Slugger from a Doug DeMore design out of one of his books. Very nice little CW transmitter. And um, I've always used it as a beacon. I sometimes like to put up a beacon on, on 10 meters. But I was having trouble with the, with the keyer, the device to key it. And so I realized that this is a, a perfect application for an Arduino. I used code from uh, Mark, K6HX, our, our friend from the bandwagon, uh, brain, brainwagon uh, blog. Mark's a very creative guy, uh, works for Pixar, great stuff on his blog. But anyway, I, I took Mark's code with the Arduino and just was able to play around with it and, and set it up so that it will transmit my beacon message, which I can change very easily in the Arduino system. And I have a little sidecar board that has a relay on it, so the output from the Arduino keys the relay, and the relay keys the transmitter. So, But I know you're, you're doing much more advanced and interesting things with CW senders, uh, Pete, so go ahead and tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh Actually, uh, there's a whole series of articles uh, that uh, two so far have appeared in QRP Quarterly, and there's a third one uh, slated for publication, and there's going to be a fourth one. Um, actually, I, I want to take a step back and go back to um, Massimo's book. Yes, and I have, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. We need to do more on that. Go ahead. Uh, I, I, I got to tell you, um, this is the place to start. You, you can go buy an Arduino and try to hook all this stuff up. And, and you know what? You're going to get very frustrated 
because you need to start with the simple basics. Um, uh, I'm going to use my term noodling here. <laughs> you got to noodle this first. It's becoming more widely used every day. <laughs> noodling. You're going to have to noodle just a little bit. And Massimo's books is, is, is really superb. Uh, he can take you step, step by step to some programming examples. You've got the code there. And you can build your confidence level. And I think uh, uh, two two comments I want to make here is first of, I, I fooled around with uh, the picks here about ten years ago, and I got to tell you I became pretty frustrated because the picks are done in, in assembly language, and and you got to be kind of an assembly language programmer to make those things work, and and it's just it, it's just not it was not intuitive to me, and and I could follow some examples and I could try some things, but. It just drove me nuts because I, I'm not a programmer. And if, if you're a programmer type, it made all the sense in the world. Whereas you don't have to be a programmer type with the Arduino. It's, it's in C, and, and it uses statements. And, and that book has got everything in there that you'll need. And, oh. and the first experiment is called Let On, oh, yeah. Let Off. Oh, man, I, lo- I love this book. You know, I, and yeah. there, there's a, I, I heard an interview, a podcast interview with Massimo where he talked about the book. And it's a wonderful interview. I, I'll try to find it. But he, when he talked about the book, first you got to realize that Massimo, his his English is superb, but it's not his first language. He's Italian. But mm-hmm. there, his in the in both the podcast and the book, it's it's really flawless. And and one of the, and he actually I think said in the podcast that his the fact that he's working in his second language actually was a bit of an advantage because it it forced him to kind of express things in very simple, understandable ways. He also, yeah. I think he he said, I think he I think he said that at the time he had a son who was fourteen years old, but he said he he tried to 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 write the book so that a fourteen year old kid could who was interested in this kind of technology could get it and could benefit from it. So I think you're right. It's it's really clear. It's really well done, and it really takes you through it in a very very nice way. It's available from. Uh, from O'Reilly, from it's called "Getting Started with Arduino." That's the book. One of the couple of things I want to there's a couple of things I wanted to mention about kind of the history of of Massimo and Arduino. You you mentioned the cost, but they early on when they were just starting with Arduino project, they made a, a decision probably in in the bar that they had to keep the cost of the board of the entire device reasonable, and they set. A price target. I mean, and this is not, you know, <laughs> this is not the kind of the big business, big Silicon Valley way of pricing uh, a device. They decided in the bar that the price of an Arduino should be no more than the money you would spend on a dinner at a pizza place. So yeah. it, it's true. I didn't even know if you know that, but it, that's, no, I didn't. that's but the yeah, option. It's, it's I a, got there's it. a pizza connection here. And that's why when they originally came out with it, it was about the U.S. The equivalent of U.S. about thirty bucks. It's gone down significantly since then, but it started out. Yeah. I think it's the high price point was about thirty bucks, and that's where that came from. Pizza and the discussion in the bar. The other thing that I really like about the whole Arduino project, not only the Italian connection. If, when you look on the board, if you look carefully, you'll see a little map of Italy right on the board. It's really cool. You could even see Sicily on there. I don't know if you've looked closely. But you can see Italy, and you could even see Sicily. I mean, they might, you might even be able to see Sardinia. But um, there, it's a very kind of international brotherhood of electronics wizards kind of projects. Because when you look at 
the folks that Massimo has gathered around him in Ivrea, you've got Italians, you've got Spaniards, you've got Colombians, you've got a lot of Americans. So it's a very kind of global kind of community there. It looks like a fantastic place to work. Um, and it just, just, uh, just they, this, this team has come up with this very nice open source uh, uh, device that's uh, kind of the, the, the microcontroller for, for all of us. A absolutely. And, and that's why I take the time to do the lead on, lead off experiment. Lolo. And, and I, I like to think of that as uh, that, that movie, The Karate Kid, where Mr. Miyagi is telling his, uh, his young student, wax on, wax off, you know, <laughs> and waxing the car. So it's let on, let off. And once you learn how to do that, because it, 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 there are just a few steps to the program, but everything you need to know is in that first experiment, like how to put the semicolon at the end of the statements and, you know, how to block out things and uh, just... It's really worthwhile, and that was the basis of, of the CW Cinder Project, and I'm saying, okay, so if we can do a let-on, let-off, why can't we do uh, a let-on, let-off so that we do it uh, either in a dot and dash fashion, so you get into the timing scheme. That's right. Yep. And then then we get into um, building code, so, so our CW Cinder... Uh, the building of the code is all a matter of uh, of recognition. Now, the 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 first uh, article was was more about the basics uh, of the the sending CW. The second article, uh, we actually built a bug, a homebrewed a, a bug, so that as you send a CW, uh, it, it cleans it up. I mean, the old mechanical bugs, some of that stuff come out like crap. I mean. People just were really sloppy in their sending, and boy, <laughs> the Arduino really levels the field. The the third article uh, gets does away with the bug and uses the keyboard. So as you uh, type in letters using the serial connection, as you type in letters, it'll, it'll generate perfect Morse code. And uh, we even dedicated one of the keys on the keyboard, the equal key. Uh, so when you press the equal key, you can uh, send the CW string. Now... I should mention here, if you, if you go to my website, uh, and you can just do an internet search on N6QW, you'll see the reference to the website, which is uh, www.jessystems.com. On the homepage, there's a link to Arduino. So all, all of the code for, for the um, mechanical sender and also the automated CW sender is, is on that page. There's a link to it, so you can... You can download it and then just uh, a copy and paste it into an Arduino sketch. So, so the information is there, and if you look at that, you can see it. And there's wiring diagrams, how to, how to wire up the Arduino, what have you. So the Arduino is perfect. It's perfect for sending CW. Now, the, the Part 3 article uh, uses the keyboard, and you also display uh, what, you're, what you're sending on, on, the, uh, on your computer screen. So... As you're typing, if you mistype, <laughs> you can see the mistype. We also have added a, a scrolling LCD display so that it'll take the 16 characters and display them on the, uh, on the scrolling LCD. And uh, matter of fact, Ben, who, who's really more into the software type of stuff, uh, he's working now so that uh, he has working so that you plug a keyboard right into the Arduino and forget the computer. So that means you can take the Arduino into the field. Uh, you have the scrolling LCD display. Type in your keyboard, 
and it'll automatically send CW based on what you type on the keyboard. That's fantastic. So, so, so that's the next that's the next step. You don't need the computer anymore. Uh, the serial port is right keyboard right into the RGB. And he's got that working, and uh, he's got a few bugs he's still working through. So uh, that'll be that'll be coming up in part four. Oh, I mean, that's 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 great. You know, and this you, you know, the origins of this thing. I, I had a similar kind of experience, kind of a kind of a light bulb going off about you know using the Arduino for for, for CW. Mike Hare, uh, WA6ARA, uh, he, uh, and a really interesting guy, has been a listener to the Solder Smoke broadcast podcast for a long time, he used to work for NASA. What a cool job. He, he worked with NASA on parachutes. Um, but anyway, Mike, um, he, he, I remember a few years ago, he took an Arduino and used it to key his boat anchor transmitter for straight key night. And, you know, he just wanted to send, you know, CQ, SKN, DE, WA6, ARA. And he, he did what we're describing right now. He, he just rigged up an Arduino, uh, hooked a relay to it so that it would key the transmitter. And instead of sitting there pounding out this same message, you know, night, time after time on New Year's Eve, he just flipped on the Arduino and let the Arduino call uh, CQ for him. I was inspired by this, and I, I did something similar. And... That was one of my first Arduino experiments. And then the other thing is I would let it call CQ. And now you have the reverse beacon network out there that will pick up any stations calling CQ. So my first feedback that the whole thing was working very well came from the reverse beacon network. And I started getting reports from all over the west coast of the U.S. that uh, my Arduino boat anchor combination was, in fact, uh, working as, as planned. Yeah, absolutely, and and the the sky's the limit. And I think it's uh, it's kind of like you do one, and next thing you know, you as you said, you have a light bulb moment. I, I wanted to comment um, about the CW sender part three, and and tell you that in 1974, uh, W6CAB, who is now a silent key, had an article on page 74 of Ham Radio magazine called the Code Mill, and he did that. He did the same thing that the Arduino was doing with all discrete logic gates. He had gates and diode matrices, and he had an old typewriter keyboard that as you, uh, you would type, it would uh, make the contacts, it would de be decoded by the diode matrix, and it would send CW. And in 1974, he said that the, the parts cost $100. <laughs> and if you, if you bring that to today's dollars, that's $250 worth of parts. So for $25, you can do the same thing with the Arduino. So one-tenth the cost, modern technology. Fantastic stuff. And I, I, it, it, it's really good that we talk about this because this is, I think, the kind of application that gives a guy, gives people the sense that of, of what's possible. But then I, you know, at one, I wanted to also talk about code. I think lines of code, you know, that might put some people off. They might think, well, look, I don't, I don't know how to program. This is not for me. But, but listen, fellas, if, if I can do it, you can do it, because I am a complete coding illiterate. I tried to teach myself basic a long time ago, and I just discovered that I wasn't very good at it. So I, I kind of quit. But uh, what I found you could do, it's the, the, the code, the, 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 the sketches that really drive the Arduino, the, that, is, that is the kind of the programming element of Arduino, it's so clear what's going on. For example, when I wanted to do my, uh, my, my Beacon project, I just downloaded Mark's code, K6HX's code, and I put it up on the screen, and I could see where 
he had written in, for example, the text that he wanted to transmit. So, of course, I just went in there and deleted that and wrote in what I wanted. And then I could also see where he was setting the speed. And again, I went in there and I think I changed the, the speed that he was transmitting at to put it into my into the way I wanted it. So I was very quickly able to just, just to modify code written by, by somebody else and get it to do what I wanted it to do. So uh, no coding skills are, are required here. All you need to do is a bit of, a bit of, what's that word, Pete? Noodling. There you go. That's what you have to do. <laughs> Noodling. <laughs> uh, I, I, I want to tag on to that point and, and mention that the Arduinos use libraries. And uh, like, for instance, uh, one of the things that we do with the CW Center, both, both part two and part three, is not only uh, do we um, create the code, but, but also we have a, a side tone. So there's a side tone being generated, and then there's a, a read relay uh, that'll key the transmitter. So, so all this is done with the, with the Arduino. Uh, and, and the thing is, if you didn't have things like a tone library, you'd have to sit down there and, and write all the code <laughs> to generate tones. Well, you don't have to do that because you go to the Arduino site and say, I want uh, a tone generator. And then it has uh, values in there for the various tones. And we happen to pick a tone that was uh, 697 hertz. So that's close to 700 hertz. So that's kind of a perfect side tone. And uh, so you don't, need to, you don't need to necessarily develop a whole bunch, bunch of code just to be able to implement the projects. And whereas with some other approaches, you have to sit down there and say, first, I have to design a tone generator. And then you do this with the... Uh, with timers and, uh, you know, turn this off, turn that on. I mean, you'd get lost real quick, but now you just say, I need a tone library or uh, you need an LCD library. For instance, uh, if you want to implement an LCD with the project, you just uh, download the, the, the right library and you have to cite that in your sketch and you have to have that resident in your Arduino library. But that's what makes the uh, what that's what makes the LCD play. So um, uh, you know you're you've got a, a leg up here because a lot of this code development for these specific libraries, the keyboard, uh, for instance, you don't have to write uh, keyboard code. You just say I want the keyboard library and recognize that when you get an input, it does all that stuff in the background, and that's the beauty of it. Yeah, I mean that's that's a really excellent point because a lot of this stuff is done for you, and that brings us, I think, to the next area that we we need to talk about here, Pete. And this is where I think it gets even more exciting. And this is direct digital synthesis (DDS). Um, when I was fooling around with with Arduino with with the Morse code project, I started bumping into sites where guys were saying, "Hey, look, you know, you could with the Arduino with the addition of one." more chip turn out turn the arduino with the additional chip into a really fantastic uh, digital signal generator think of it that way and uh, you could come up with a direct digital synthesis uh, you know device that will be in essence a, a vfo that could pretty much take you from dc to daylight that's a bit of an exaggeration but from from very low frequency to very high frequency at, with really good uh, stability, a great and really accurate, you know, 10 hertz readout to an LCD display. And I just saw this and I said, I got to have one. Now, the, 
I was fortunate because the the one the project that I came across used a chip called an AD uh, an AD ninety eight fifty, and this is a little chip, and I would I was really blown away by it because they said they were saying that you could pick up this chip on a board with all the peripherals with all the the the, the little uh, crystal oscillators that you need for at that time six bucks because there were lots and lots and lots of them produced in China for various electronic projects so there's apparently a large stockpile of these things and and I ordered one and I have one in my hand right now it's about the size of my thumb but I know you've worked with this thing too uh, Pete so why don't we talk a little bit about DDS oh yeah absolutely well totally amazing and I, I'd like to refer the listeners uh, to uh, uh, a website uh, authored, or it's a blog authored by Paul Darlington, M0XPD. And uh, there, there are a lot of the code that, that you need uh, to make this DDS Arduino uh, work uh, is available through, through Paul. He, he's done some amazing things. And that's the beauty of this and the beauty of the Internet. I mean, if I had to sit down and come up with the, the code to... To create a DDS, um, uh, I, I think I'd be lost. But there's some brilliant people out there that have that have gone ahead and uh, made this stuff available. Um, it is really amazing in the frequency stability. And I've uh, I've taken the uh, Arduino uh, DDS board combination, and uh, I've uh, I've implemented uh, adding DDS to to old boat anchors. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I, I specifically bought a um, a Heathkit single bander, and uh, uh, I paid forty dollars for it, including shipping. And uh, I just took the two tubes out, interfaced the Arduino DDS in there, and that thing was rock solid, stable. And that that was the one problem with the with with the Heathkit radios; they they drifted a little bit. These don't drift. Uh, my most recent project with an Arduino DDS is is using a board that I bought for two dollars and fifty cents called the Pro Mini, and I and I want to comment a little bit later just about the variants of the the Arduinos and and how one has to be a little bit careful. But the Pro Mini, uh, you get this board and it is the size of a postage stamp. <laughs> it is the size of a postage stamp, and and it comes without the pins. Although they sent you the pins, you got to solder the pins in, and there's no programming device. Uh, on the uh, most of the Arduinos have a have a serial port interface, so that you can program it from the computer. This does not have that, and so I, I bought a serial programming external board. That was another two dollars and fifty cents. So once you buy those, you can program any of the boards. But but the whole um, Arduino-driven DDS is on a board that's about two and a half inches by one and a half inch, and and you talk about being amazing and I'm using the uh, I2C interface so you only have four wires going to the LCD so I mean retrofitting older radios with this is just amazing and the frequency stability is absolutely amazing yeah you know I mean you, it's just it, it is we both find ourselves using that word so often but it really is it's really fantastic it's amazing you know I want to just to give a give the the listeners a quick sense of you know what when we talk about this 809850 chip and the Arduino and the LCD display. You've got really three kind of three different boards there. And let me just explain it this way. The the AD9850 chip will produce kind of 
sine wave output. It's designed to produce sine, sine wave output, but it requires an input. It needs something to tell it where what frequency the sine wave should be. And the input has to be kind of digital numbers. In other words, if you send in digital numbers to one of these pins, that will tell the 809850 chip what sine wave frequency to put out. So that's one of the things that the Arduino does in this scheme. You set it up and the program then tells the Arduino to send a digital number corresponding to the frequency that you want to the AD9850 and then from the AD9850 out comes the sine wave at RF at 7.2 megahertz for the rig. Then the other thing that the Arduino does is you use another portion of the of the, the microcontroller to then say, okay, the AD9850 is putting out this frequency because we sent it this digital number. Display on the LCD that's connected to some additional pins on the on the on the Arduino. Display 7.2 megahertz. So you've got um, a, you know several really fantastic things happen, and you've got a, a, this little chip, the AD9850, producing RF based on the number that's coming to it from the Arduino. The Arduino then is also sending signals to the LCD, the little little screen so that it's telling you okay this is what you've asked for this is what you're getting and it man it's just it, it it's some beautiful technology coming together and i think everybody can understand how these things can be used in radio oh, oh yeah and and i want to tag on to that one point with the lcd screen the the thing is you can increment the frequency in one hertz increments huh, i know <laughs> <laughs> and if you are doing something that I know you did, and that is to um, you wanted to characterize a homebrew uh, uh, filter, right? Being able to increment it in one hertz increments, you can plot that filter response down to one hertz. Believe me, the heat but, the heat <laughs> the heat kit SG six signal generator is not going to cut it. No, no. So I mean, I'm. I'm uh, Immediately, you have you you have a laboratory grade instrument that'll let you characterize filters in one hertz increments. And I just sat there with a piece of paper and I changed. I was changing it, I think, at at ten hertz or a hundred hertz. And I would just write down the frequency. Then, using my scope, I would write down the output from the filter. And then I would go back and use Excel in in Microsoft to just come up with a graph, and I could see it. I mean, there's there's more automated ways of doing it, but like you said, the key element is getting that really stable really frequency accurate, you know, yeah. signal to go in. The gazintas are very important. Yeah. The the other point I wanted to make is there's a companion piece of software. Actually, the Arduino has some of its basis in the software called Processing. Are you familiar yeah, with that's Processing? Right, yeah. And uh, I, uh, I thought I'd have a little fun here. Uh, a couple of months ago, we had a significant shaker here in Southern California. You know, so what else is new? And I said, you know, it'd be really cool to build a seismograph. Oh man! So, so I I I jury rigged something. Uh, I just read the analog inputs uh, on the on the Arduino, and then I thought it'd be kind of nice uh, to do a root mean square of the three inputs and come out with a single output, and then feed that into processing, and you can create a graph. So I think with processing, Bill, 
you could have automated that so that it would produce the graph automatically. You wouldn't have to go to the Excel spreadsheet. Oh, I know. And, and, yeah, and, and uh, I think guys on um, the New Jersey QRP Club chat with the designers recently did a, a, a show on that, I guess about a year ago, in which they automated the whole thing and got the output going right to the, to the screen. So I was just doing it the kind of the, the simple way. But, yeah, with, with very little additional work, you could, you could automate the whole process. Yeah, and, and the processing is really amazing. So, I mean, once you get comfortable with Arduino, you can take the next step up and, uh, you know, interface it with processing. A lot, lot, lot of fun things can be done, and there's lots of information on the Internet. As a matter of fact, one of the guys that has done the processing stuff is also part of the development team of Arduino. All right. Well, you know, you know, we have the, uh, okay, so we, we've described how this thing comes up with the signal generator. We talked a little bit about how I used it to characterize crystal filters. But there's a lot more than you can do. You could, you know, now you have in your hand, like, the, the, the dream VFO. The, the VFO that tells you exactly what frequency it's on, that doesn't drift, that uses very little power, generates almost no heat. And you could put it into rigs, and that could become your VFO. And I know you've yep. been you've been doing that, Pete, with both with boat anchors and with uh, some of your your your, your homebrew solid state rigs. I know that um, M0XPD Paul Darlington has been doing that also, and he's built he's used them in in bid axes. So everywhere you see a, a VFO, you could just say, okay, no more VFO. I'm going to put in an Arduino or the Atmega chip that is the heart of the Arduino. So maybe yep. tell us a little bit about that, Pete. Uh, specifically, the chip or in no, implementation? just using it, using it kind of in 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 rigs, sort of to replace. Oh, okay, the yeah, yeah. The uh, the the where it works the best, of course, is in. Uh, it gets a little trickier if you have a double conversion, but where it works the best in single conversion radios is it uh, built into uh, Paul software. Is you can put an offset in there. So, for instance. Uh, as you tune through the bands, uh, that offset will let you display the frequency directly. For instance, if you uh, were had a radio on 20 meters, uh, you would program the offset. Uh, if on a, in this case, I'm using a 9 megahertz uh, commercial filter, and so I program the offset for upper upper sideband, which is 89985, and program that in there. So when when I read the dial, it'll read 14.2 megahertz, but really it's outputting the frequency around 5.2 megahertz. So, so the beauty is you'll, you'll always be accurate uh, based on the, the fact that you can program the offset in there. Now, you may find that the Arduino-driven DDS by itself uh, does not produce en enough RF to drive your radios. So you may have to come out with a little broadband uh, amplifier to take the Arduino output. You'll, you'll find also that the 9850 chips... Um, even though these boards are bargain boards, uh, as you go higher in frequency, typically the 9850s will give you a range of, of DC to about 40 megahertz. A after 40 megahertz, the, the out output really gets squirrely, and they even tell you that between 30 and 40 megahertz, it, it could be questionable. So you, if you're getting you know, into the higher frequencies, what you may need to do is you may need to put a buffer amplifier on the output. So that's that's one other thing that I've I've come up with. That uh, typically I'll put a buffer amplifier to get enough uh, get enough juice to drive uh, like a packaged uh, double balance mixer or a homebrew uh, uh, ring type mixer. 
but uh, I mean, it's just it's just amazing what you can do. You can take some of these, uh, uh, like with a Bitex. Uh, I mean, one one of the most desirable things to have would be uh, accurate frequency readout and frequency stability. I know in Farhan's later radios, the minimum he he's got an RG, you know, when they're driving the frequency. So that's that's kind of uh, that's kind of nice to have that capability. And uh, to that point, um, because this is an embedded application, um, you 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 think about the standard Uno R3 board. It's kind of big uh, to to put in or inside of a radio. I mean, you may just not have the space. And that's where you look at like the Nano or, or the Mini or just buying a bare chip and a, and a crystal and some capacitors. And uh, you're going to need to have a programming uh, uh, input port, but you could program that, uh, that single chip. You know, for about 10 bucks, you can buy all the parts. And with a programmer, you can embed that in there and really get it down pretty small. So, uh, you know, highly accurate frequency reading. Uh, highly accurate uh, frequency display, uh, frequency production for just a few dollars. Just totally amazing. Yeah. I wanted to point out, you and Paul had a really excellent article in Sprat, our beloved Sprat magazine. So any anybody who's who's listening and interested in this should definitely join GQRP and get a hold of Sprat. The, the, the article that you and Paul had there was, was really great. And yeah, and I think that's an important point that you make. You know, the, you, I, I, you making very kind of rudimentary, kind of basic use of the uh, of the Arduino. So I put the whole board into a rig that I'm working on. But uh, in the in the minima, in Farhan's minima that you mentioned, he goes to this point where you don't really need to do that because a lot of the 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 the, the hardware on the board, and the board is about the size of a so people get a credit it, card. Yeah, it's, it's, it's credit card size exactly. And, but a lot of the hardware on there is to enable you to put the program into the chip. But what you could do then is once you get the program into the chip, you could just take that chip out of the socket. So now you've yeah. got just the chip, and the chip is about the size of your, your finger. Then you yeah. put the chip onto the board, and like you said, you need a, a crystal and a couple of other little devices in there. And then, so now you've taken the whole program and the chip, and you put it on the board, and when you look at the at the rig that you've built, you don't see an Arduino board in there, right? But Arduino's right. in there in the form of that chip. So this is another really amazing um, application, a way to use it. And like you said, it's it's now that's 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 really at the heart of um, Farhan's Minima transceiver, the general coverage transceiver, and you could really see how. That is going to kind of revolutionize and uh, ham radio home brewing. So I think anybody who wants to get a sense of what can be done, just Google, you know, Farhan Minima, and it'll take you to the whole kind of the whole blog universe of people around the world who are, are working on this um, fantastic new transceiver. Yeah, and, and you know, I want to mention something about the. Uh Arduino variants, and and if you're just starting out, get the Uno R3. <laughs> yeah. And and the reason I say that is most of the libraries ha have been have been vetted, and and work with the Uno R3. And and if you get something that's not that, you're liable to have some problems. Like for instance, I, I bought a Leonardo board, uh, for very few dollars, and I tried to. Uh, use that in the CW center, and that, and I was having a terrible time getting the tone to work, until I did an internet search and found out that the 
Leonardo has got a slightly different uh, timer structure than the Uno. And so the guys had to build some patches for that so that the tone, <laughs> the tone library that works with the Uno will work with the Leonardo. But uh, so, so, I mean, you, j you just need to be careful and until you get your feet really wet and understand some of these differences. Belly up and buy an Uno R3 and, and you're going to have, you know, a 99.99% per success rate. And then from there, for instance, um, this um, Mini that I bought for $2.50, I couldn't get it to program. And, and then someone said, okay, this is what you do. When you get to this point where it's loading the sketch... Oh, well, first of you start up by with having the reset button pressed uh, on the Pro Mini until the point that says loading it and then release the switch and it'll take the program. Now, now how would you know that? That's it's, it. I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff you've got to be prepared yeah. to deal with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, you do it with the Uno R3 and you don't have a problem. And and I guess we're getting close on time here. And I do want to mention about shields. Yeah, I know. That's right. We've got to talk about shields because people yeah. will hear shields and they'll say, what the heck is a shield? Yeah. Well, this is kind of a really interesting concept, which I don't necessarily subscribe to, and I'll tell you why. What shields were, they're, they're an exact duplicate footprint uh, of the Uno R3 and the Leonardo and several of the others in, in, in the series. And essentially, they're, they're boards that, that have maybe some specific functions, and they got, they got pins on the bottom that essentially plug right into the Arduino, like Uno R3 or the Leonardo. So this way, uh, they could be application-specific. For instance, you can buy uh, a GPS receiver that plugs right into the Uno. They've got an Internet uh, uh, Wi-Fi that plugs into there. Just a whole series of accessory boards that let you plug into the Arduino, and then all the pins line up. So this way, you don't have to do any wiring or anything of that sort. You just stack these things. That's right. So, for example, the AD9850 chip that I was talking about before needs to be connected to the Arduino. And right. you can come up with a shield. And as a matter of fact, Paul, M0XPD, has been working with Kanga Products to come up with an Arduino DDS shield. So I have it yeah. in my hand. Paul and Kanga guys were kind enough to send it to me. So what you do is you, you put the... 809850 board on the shield board and then bang you just put it like a sandwich it's like a shield over the board so i think that's right. where the term shield comes from but it's just a matter of connecting a peripheral like the gps chip that you mentioned to the main arduino board but yep. i think you're going to tell us pete that that's not the only way to do it right and a matter of fact uh, i do want to mention you can buy blank shield boards because I, I, I didn't have the Kanga board, so I bought the blank shield board. They're about $4, $5, something like that. And then I wired up the DDS so that it just plugs into the Arduino. Now, for my own personal bent, uh, I came out with, and you see a picture on the web, my website that I mentioned before. I came, out with, came up with a, what I call a breakout board design. And essentially, I took these right-angle pin, pin headers, plugged them into the Arduino, and then wire that over to another board that has terminal blocks on it. Now, here's, here's the reason why I prefer that method versus the shield. If you get two or three or four shields, as a matter of fact, one of Paul's projects had, <laughs> had three shields stacked on each other, I suddenly realized if you did that and you needed to make any adjustments on the middle board, there was, there was no way to do that because they were all plugged together. So I, 
I decided that instead of doing that, I'd come up with a breakout board. And you can see a picture on the website there that, that has terminal blocks. So then you can wire to that. And there's a couple of reasons for this. First of, if you've got the, like the Uno R3 connected to your uh, computer via, via your serial, serial cable going into your USB port, it's like a head of a snake. And this thing is moving all around the workbench. <laughs> and the other thing you, you got to worry about is the bottom side of the Arduino is exposed. You could short that Hummer out. So you, you, you have this problem of how do you deal with it so that it's anchored somewhere. And essentially, I, I mounted the uh, Arduino R3 on, on pillars and then had the right angle pin headers with wiring going to the breakout board. And everything is all on a piece of uh, 4x6 copper board. So this way now, it's, it's a little more anchored. And uh, incidentally, the 4x6 will fit in a 7x5 chassis. So if you wanted to package this thing up later, you could do that. So for general purpose experimentation purposes versus a specific Im embedded application, uh, I prefer not using the shields and using the breakout board, mainly because of access, uh, the reducing the possibility of shorts. And the other thing is, you keep inserting pins in and out of that Arduino board, you're going to break something. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty durable, but at the same time, uh, let's face it, they're plastic plastic headers no, that's right and i broke them and, and i agree and 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 when you're putting the board onto the the, the shield up onto onto the board it, you have to get them lined up exactly right or else it's yeah. not going to work it's 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 difficult so i too have kind of come to the idea of putting the other board off to the side and i called it a sidecar I, oh there you go i, I joked i said yeah, i'm not making a shield i'm making a sidecar so when I was putting the relays on, for example, to, if you needed relays to kind of key the transmitter in this CW uh, application, you could do it on a shield and put the put the, the relays and the associated resistors and diodes up on a board that would sit up atop the Arduino. But I just put it onto the side on a piece of copper clad board and ran wires over and into the appropriate pins on the on the Arduino board, and that was a that was another way of doing it. Yeah, no, we're on the same we're on the same path. I mean, but but you know, I think really for guys who want to look for one simple kind of one application to do it quick, I, I think Paul and Conga Products, the DDS Shield, would be a good way to go. And it's Absolutely. a very nice little product. Take a look at it. I have it in my hand, and I I yep. intend to use it to build my next uh, generation of the signal generator that we've been talking about. Because there's a couple of refinements that I wanna I wanna make in it. But 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 really good stuff. There's a lot of different ways to do it, and you can. The great thing about Arduino is that it's all open source, and it's there's a, there's a lot of stuff on the web, so you could do it, you could have it your way, Pete Giuliano. Yeah, well, there. I wanted to make one additional comment, just to kind of whet your appetite. Uh, also appearing in the next issue of QRP Quarterly, we uh, Ben has taken uh, Paul's uh, generalized DDS uh, generation software, and he's built an SWR analyzer. Oh yeah, he's taken. He's taken another uh, from uh, this guy. I forget what his name is. He he's got a project there that you 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 essentially take a uh, SWR bridge. Yep. And so now now you're able to uh, measure your antenna using pulse generator and the other bridge circuit, <laughs> and then it reads it out on there. And you can tell what the lowest SWR of your uh, of your antenna is. And so uh, and then a further part of that is to hook that into processing and then you can get a plot of it so 
a lot it's more than just generating CW or lit on lit off I mean there's some real handy tool devices that you can do use with the Arduino and it's just an Arduino and a couple of 39 cent microchip op amps fantastic stuff Pete as you said we're getting close to the end here so I hope we have kind of inspired uh, some of the listeners to take the plunge into the fascinating world of, of microcontrollers and Arduinos Three cheers for Maximo Banzi and the, and the, and the folks over there in Ivrea. Uh, and um, really, really great stuff. Um, maybe maybe we should do a quick solder smoke mailbag, Pete. We haven't done that. So sure, sure. I'm going to pause here and, and you'll hear the, the traditional sound. Ooh, that's awesome. All right. Thank you, Billy. Uh, I just want to say that, um, let's see, what do we have here? Um, oh, I want to thank Harold. Harold sent both Pete and 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 myself some really nice metal boxes that will form the basis of uh, or the enclosures for some rigs in the future. Thanks for doing that, Harold. Um, I want to thank Tim Walford uh, from the UK for sending me yet another edition of, of Hot Iron, the Journal of the Constructors Club, a, a really fine publication. Uh, G3 PCJ puts it out. And I, I frequently read it on the Washington Metro, and I must say that my fellow writers still look at me like, what are you reading there? Hot iron. It sounds kind of salacious, but it's, it's not. It's all good, good, clean, electronic fun. Um, Alan Walkie wrote in, he appears to have been lured into the land of the regen receiver. So I suspect we're going to be seeing some, uh, some regens coming out of, uh, out of uh, <coughs> Alan's, uh, Alan's shack, and I'm sure there'll be an excellent use of, uh, of tech test gear in, in, in doing that. Uh, David, AA7EE, uh, a real regen guru, has been doing great work with regens and has a fantastic uh, website, has been immortalized by the artistry of Jeff, K1NSS. Uh, Jeff is a, a really talented cartoonist who uh, delves into the, into the ham radio world. And uh, Jeff, I think, has made a kind of vague threat to make me the subject of, of one of his upcoming cartoons i would be i would be honored to be in the rogues gallery jeff so uh i look forward to seeing that and um chris let's see who else we got here oh i mentioned tony fishpool tony fishpool um heard an interview that i did with the icq podcast guys a week or so ago i mentioned that i might build a 150 watt amplifier and i said that i cringed when i said it because i thought it would would anger or upset the guys at the gqrp club tony writes in Tell told me that he and the club is okay with me building the amp, and he notes that the Reverend George Dobbs, uh, who speaks with quite a bit of authority on this, both uh, QRP-wise and theology-wise, says that uh, QRP shouldn't be seen as a, a rigid theological thing. So uh, thank you very much, George, for being so flexible and for giving me the, uh, the, the thumbs up on the amplifier project. Um, finally, one thing, and I might try to work it in here. I might try to play it. I'm going to see how the editing works out, but... But Chris Wald, Waldrop, um, uh, KB4PBJ, I think I got his call right. I know, the, I know the, the suffix is correct. It's very nice to send us in some, some recordings of interviews that he did during an event called Two Days in Huntsville, kind of a, 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 an Alabama version of Four Days in May. And uh, anyway, it, uh, it was interviews with a number of people that were at that event, including two that are very... Arduino relevant. He talked to KW5DP, and he also talked to John from Tentech, 
and and Arduino has made its way, and microcontrollers have made their way into the new rig out of Tentec called the Tentec Rebel. You got any mail you want to mention, Pete? Uh, no, I, I I think you pretty well covered it because I got some of the same mail you did. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> so right. I, again, yeah. I want to thank I want to thank Harold for the enclosures. Those are really super and. Uh, Already, I'm dreaming of a, a single sideband QRP rig with an Arduino uh, fitting into that box. All right, fantastic stuff. Hey, listen, I forgot the you know the commercial. What is it? The uh, what are the what are the, what are the tip and tack the Clappet Brothers call it? The, yeah. The, what do they call that part of Sa- the show? Shameless, com- same, Sh- shameless, shameless commerce. commerce. Yeah, the shameless yeah. commerce. Well, I want to continue to urge people to look at the the new book, Us and Them, an American Family Spends Ten Years with foreigners uh, and it's it's on my it's a kind of a tongue-in-cheek title and you can take a look at that on the solder smoke blog soldersmoke.blogspot.com there's a prominently displayed front cover the other thing i want to thank people for and ask them to continue to do if you're going to buy anything from amazon anytime you find yourself thinking amazon think solder smoke and if you go to the solder smoke blog soldersmoke.blogspot.com if you click on the Amazon box or search for something through the Amazon box, you know, we get a piece of the action here at Solder Smoke. And I actually do use that money to buy the, the various gadgets and gizmos that we talk about on the show. So I really appreciate it. It doesn't cost, doesn't cost the buyer any money. It's money from, from the suits at Amazon coming here to Solder Smoke. Right? I think that's something that all of you can, can support. So, again, when you think Amazon, start, start out from the Solder Smoke blogspot.com page you'll see a little link to amazon up there it'll help us out a lot that ends the shameless commerce portion of our show pete we've gone over time but i think it was worth it this will be one of the longest solder smoke episodes in history but we're going to keep it that way because we talked about so many good so much good stuff and so many good topics i hope you hope you had fun Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's now light out here. <laughs> <laughs> the new day has dawned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Pete, thanks for coming back. we got to figure out what we're going to do for the next one. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Okay, you bet, Bill. Thanks very much. Have a, have a great weekend. And 7-3 uh, and to all of our listeners from, from the West Coast and from the East Coast, from, from California and from Virginia. 7-3 to all. Yeah, 7-3s. Thanks, Pete. You bet. The Solder Smoke Podcast is produced once or twice a month using roadkill computers in an electronics workshop somewhere in the wilds of Northern Virginia. The podcast is available via iTunes and directly from our website, soldersmoke.com. Our blog, the Solder Smoke Daily News, is at soldersmoke.blogspot.com. Send email to soldersmoke, that's one word, at yahoo.com. Solder Smoke is listener-supported. And there are many ways you can help keep the podcast going. Please spread the word. Let your friends know about Solder Smoke, the podcast, and our blog. Put links to the podcast and the blog on your websites. Buy a copy of the critically acclaimed book, Solder Smoke, Global Adventures in Wireless Electronics, available from lulu.com. Begin all your visits to Amazon via the Amazon link on our blog page. In this way, Solder Smoke gets a commission from anything you buy on Amazon. Buy some of our attractive Solder Smoke t-shirts, coffee mugs, and bumper stickers at the Solder Smoke store at CafePress.com. If you have a small business, consider advertising on the podcast or on the blog. Our rates are reasonable and our staff is friendly. If none of this appeals to you but you still want to help, well... 
we have a donation button in the upper left-hand corner of the blog page. However you choose to help, we thank you for your support. Ciao, bravi ragazzi!